Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of all marketing school certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. Today I have a very exciting guest and for plenty of reasons. The first one is because she is the cover star of the spring issue of the Creative Impact magazine. And we are beyond excited to have her with us today as well to chat a bit more in depth about some of the topics related to uh, anti-diet fitness app. If you haven't guessed yet, we're going to speak today to the incredible Lucy Mountain. She's the CEO of the anti-diet fitness app, Nobs App. Having built an audience of 400,000 plus on Instagram as an influencer, Lucy worked with her community to build a product which was entirely bespoke made for them. Although working within an already saturated industry, her sense of humor alongside of a refreshing take on health and fitness has allowed her business to grow exponentially within the past two years. And this is really what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to dive deeper into the topic and get to know Lucy even more. I had the pleasure to meet Lucy years back and it's been incredible to see her grow from strength to strength, especially with an OBS app. If you're ready to learn how to speak to your audience truthfully, how to connect with them by using your own tone of voice and also the importance of representing who you are when it comes to the products you want to create, well, then you are in the right place. Don't forget to go and grab the Latest issue of the Creative Impact magazine, our spring issue with over 100 incredible pages of content and inspiration. Plus, if you go to creativeimpact.group slash magazine, within this issue, you can also find our top 100 for 2022, the list of incredible people making waves online and making a positive impact in the world. Without further ado, let's jump in and chat to Lucy, uh, but don't forget, Go and grab a copy of the Creative Impact magazine at creativeimpact.group slash magazine. Here we are. Here we are. How's Stan doing, Lucy? Is, is it all right? He's currently on his little perch looking out the window, so he's got bored of attacking me now, which is good for me. How much does Stan feature in... Uh, in your content these days he's the kind like he acts as like the filler if I'm like having a boring day I'm like here we go just throw Stan in there but I could take pictures of Stan all day and videos of Stan all day and I feel like there would become a point where people would be like sorry is this Stan's Instagram or is this your Instagram so to rein in the cat mum tendencies I was gonna okay just in case somebody's like who's Stan Stan is Lucy's cat. I just wanted to make yes. sure that we all knew, just in case, you know, we haven't seen him in stories yet. Um, yeah, he will. <laughs> he will soon. <laughs> now that you know, you'll find it. I love it. Um, Lucy, thank you so much again for being here. I am particularly excited to ask you my icebreaker questions because I feel we're going to get some really good answers, not putting pressure on, like, now trying to give me something completely out of the blue and odd. But my first question for you, if we're ready, is... um. What will be a trivia category 
you'd be really good at and why a category for what sorry for uh, it's like a trivia category so imagine you can create your own trivia if you want you don't have to go with the normal ones you can create your own or who wants to be a millionaire or insert a random thing trivia what do i know oh okay i'm a connoisseur of pick a mix i don't think anyone understands and i've got i've like nailed down my ratios of like exactly how much of what to put in the perfect pick a mix i know all the names you can throw any sweet from pick a mix at me and i will know everything about it and i'll be able to put it in the perfect i know i know the perfect combinations and I, ironically i actually before i launched knobs i was gonna launch a pick a mix business as well but i've had to part that because knobs app turned out to be so much of a bigger project but honestly ask me about sweets i don't know how many questions people are going to have about sweets but <laughs> i mean now i want to know about this business idea i don't know if we can talk about it in case it's like under wraps because it's going to become like you know, genuinely the next big knobs but yeah what what what, well, what? so i've had this idea for years and I actually really regret not launching it before lockdown because it was just post box pick and mix. But back then it wasn't like a huge thing. It's kind of like a few places did it. But then after Corona, people wanted their sweets, couldn't get their sweets. Those businesses have been like popping off and they are everywhere. And yeah, I mean, I certainly utilize them past couple of years. But yeah, so I will one day in the next, I mean, I say one day within the next two or three years I will definitely launch something around sweets purely because I just love sweets so but in terms of everything else I don't quite know how it's going to fit together but it will happen just watch this watch space, space yeah <laughs> I, 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 I'm thrilled I'm riveted now talking about actually past jobs so we're talking about business future businesses let's go back Lucy what is the first job you've ever had and what has have you learned from it I mean, I mean, as a teenager, I did everything. I was a, hanging people's coats in a country club in a little cloakroom. I fit kids' shoes as a Clark's shoe fitter. I did all the, I did restaurant jobs, front of house jobs. When I finished uni and got my degree, I was then working in a cupcake shop for a year after getting my degree. That was very humbling, sort of leaving three years at uni being like, I have my degree. I'm going to move to London and start my dream life in marketing. And um, that didn't quite happen. Moved back in with my parents. You know, like Lola's Cupcakes vibes. It was Lola's Cupcakes, but in Nottingham, which is considerably less glamorous than a London Lola's Cupcake stall in like the worst shopping center of the three. Um, so I did that for a year, but I do actually think that job was actually a really important job for me to have because I learned the value of patience, the value of not accepting anything that was less than what I wanted. So I stayed in that job until, I mean, we could talk about privilege too. Obviously I was privileged to be able to be put up by my parents, but you know, it's one of those things where I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave this job until I find the job. And eventually I did. But, you know, at that at that time, I was really into my fitness, which was kind of building the foundations of what I do today. And also, even though I was just a standard worker who was doing shift work there five days a week, I was so all over it. I was like, give me your Instagram, give me the Instagram app for the handle. Who's the CEO? I want to try and do the social media as well. I would like I made this like Instagram, you know, when that Instagram signs were like the shit, you people were like, you build your own little frame and you get customers to stand in it. I remember going to the art supply shop in Nottingham. I bought this cardboard, like this pen to like cut it out with, this paint. And I did it all for free. I didn't even ask the company's pay. I just did it for fun. Just because I was so excited to be like allowed the, the password for their Instagram. And I could still, I still find that picture today of me in the frame. But you know, it's all those things. And that actually then gave me something else to talk about on my CV, which then, you know, ultimately helped me. So I think all my jobs have been really, there's always been something that I've taken from it. Always. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you actually thought, you know what? 
I, I can definitely get in and like zoos up your marketing. And mm. I think that's that's what a lot of people say. Oh, a lot of the times we forget is like seeing an opportunity, and it's something that again, if there's younger listeners, hello. Um, I hope is a good reminder that you know sometimes even maybe something that is not your dream or your business or what you want to build with your own brand actually being able to support others and having that freedom which because I did the same for a couple of jobs in the past when well, 10 years ago but when I was like yeah you know I can do it there's no stakes you have some fun and you actually try for something that you really were passionate anyway about yeah. so I think it's something that we forget sometimes is like you do what you love and you want to do what you love but sometimes it's nice just doing it for fun and just experimenting. There's a lot less pressure, I find. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there is obviously the conversation of, you know, me doing it unpaid and that being okay for the the the, the store or whatever. But I do think to a degree, you know, it was so, again, it was just like low risk. I wasn't being paid to do it, but it also meant that, like, I could be really free and kind of do what I wanted within that and... I was so grateful for those years. It also made really, like, when I did eventually get my London job that was in marketing that I stayed at for, like, six years. And that was where I stayed until I went freelance with Nobs. And, like, it really made me so grateful for the life that I built in London because I've been in Nottingham my whole life. London was, like, this whole other world. And I never thought I would be, like, when I first moved to London, my first flat, me and my friends moved in. It was, like, this grossy little, like, it was a doctor's surgery that had been badly converted none of us had like, all three of us had no money for rent so we were like scraping by in this horrible little flat and for eight I was just so grateful though I was so grateful for not being in Nottingham living with my parents to just to live in London and have this new job it was just so exciting so context is always really important to have I think you've got to have those jobs which you were like oh but they all teach you something, don't they? They all, everything teaches you something. That's why I like to ask this question because it makes us reflect on some of the things that maybe we didn't count as lessons at the time or, again, some of the achievements and the, the skills that were picked up mm. that maybe we don't think as much as as the ones that we've done recently. Mm. So thank you for that. Now, I have a question that is more about now. So we're going back into the present day and uh, this is my favorite question because it's a bit of a loaded question and is what does making an impact mean to you, Lucy, and why? I think for me, making an impact, I'm reminded of impact on the much smaller scale things that happen in my life. An example of this would be, okay, it was my friend's birthday on Saturday and I went out for some drinks at my local pub, had a lovely time and I was in the smoking area and someone came up to me and it was someone who had been in my community and she was like, oh my God, I follow you on Instagram. This is so weird. Please don't, I'm not a freak, but I just want to say hi. And then she started telling me about my, the impact that my content had, had on her and her eating um, disorder recovery. And I was like, wow, this because it's so easy to forget that for me impact is like actually having a tangible difference on someone else's perception and relationship with food and when I get it's so easy to forget about that I think when I'm on the other end of the phone and all I can see is comments and dms and likes and like that's all great but I don't really see how that my content me posting something on my instagram can actually I don't see how that then impacts their decisions and what's inside their head the next time they eat a donut and they're battling with thoughts of feeling like a terrible person. So for me, the impact that I want to have is personally from a kind of perspective of non-knobs related. I want people to take fitness and food less seriously. I want people to have a lovely time in our numbered days on this earth. Um, and then with knobs, more specifically, it's like helping people know. It's not even giving a new avenue for fitness. It's like reminding people there is another option if you want to get fit and involve yourself, immerse yourself in fitness, which doesn't involve changing your body. It doesn't involve weight loss. It doesn't involve diet culture. It's reminding people that this exists and I can give them like the route to that. So it is the like, my favorite thing in the world though, is when I'm out with my friends 
maybe on a bottomless brunch and I bump into another group of people who are on a bottomless brunch too and then there's someone in there from my community and we're all there and it's like we're all on the street and it's like middle of the day and that's happened many times and I feel like my crowd are just like people that love bottomless brunches because I see people at bottomless brunch every time I go for one and I don't know it's just it's just great I feel like we're all sort of internet friends which is really special into my next question then is one of the questions that I had in my head and well, I'm going to jump into this one then talking about uh, the bottomless brunch crowd. But in general, you talked about the community and you talk about the, the, the tribe element. And obviously when you're creating an app that is catering for the users, but at the same time, you know, the community piece is so important. I love the fact that there is definitely the thought of how to make it, you know, kind of clear and inspiring and encouraging for the community. But I also know from following the journey that, that turned into knobs that the community also inspired how the app was created. And as you say, some of the pillars that actually make the app. So the answer, I, I think we don't all know the answer, but I want to ask it anyway. How important is it and was it for knobs to actually have that community at the very beginning as you were shaping and refining the app in the first couple of months or in the first six months? Mm. it's funny you ask that because I think there's a big conversation online at the moment around like parasocial relationships and the relationships between an influencer and their followers and how often the influencer can utilize that and capitalize on that in order for their own financial gain and equally their audience and their followers feel like they have a, an investment in this person's life but no one really knows each other and like whilst I think that's an important conversation to have for sure. Also, like, I feel like sometimes it dumbs down and kind of diminishes from the fact that, like, I've actually made some great friends from having my own community. I've actually made friends and every person I've hired for my business now with Knobs has been from following me on Instagram and being a part of the community. And I, it's just a great way to meet people. And I think sometimes you know, people have, and, and influencers are criticized for like, they just want to build a, uh, a brand and product to sell to their audience. And number one, I don't think that's a problem. But even if they were doing that, or even if when they aren't doing that, for example, with me, mine was community grown because there wasn't even a product. I don't even know what we were going to do when we started our Facebook group. We just, for me personally, I had so many DMs from so many different people. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm having these same conversations and they're not even like some of them aren't even serious some of them are just funny and like I feel one thing I'm so grateful to have is like I feel like my community has the same sense of humor as me and there's nothing like and I just thought it's almost like we're all the same person to a degree and we all have the same sense of humor so I put everyone in this Facebook group and I, when I launched it I was like I don't even know if I want to do this because I don't even use Facebook that much but let's just see what happens and then it was only from the success of that that I was like you know what we're talking about fitness we're talking about anti-diet stuff there is no fitness plan that I would personally want to recommend to anyone right now so why don't I just build it so that's what I did in the end and it was so amazing going through the process of building it because I was literally in there being like what do you want what kind of guy do you want? Do you want this in there? Do you not want this in there? So everything was like custom built for that group. And then that grew and that became a business. And I think people look on the outside and they'll think, oh, Lucy created an app. She's got a subscriber. She's, you know, is this? And it's like, the app wasn't even a thing. Like Knobs came. Knobs isn't just Knobs app. Knobs is a community that was built in like March, 2017 from a community it's a name we gave it and the app came three years later I mean we saw guides in 2018 so the following year and that's when we started you know being able to create knobs products but it was so important at least to me like I don't think I would have I don't even know where I'd, I don't even know if I would have launched a fitness guide without having well I wouldn't I wouldn't have created a fitness guide if I hadn't have created had a community and had someone that I knew was going to be the perfect customer for it because it was like a need rather than me sitting there being like, oh, what am I going to, what am I going to create for my business or my personal brand? There was already a need. So it was me fulfilling that need for my community that I'd already built. So yeah, it's community is like where it started for knobs. And I think people that join it now 
don't always see that, but that is ultimately where it began. I understand the conversation, you know, around obviously, you know, influencers and the way they capitalize on the community or they capitalize on their audience and that it can have different facets. Then also you can argue that then if you call them creators, which is another way to call them, and there's another kind of strand of, again, I'm talking to our marketers, so listeners, ride with us on this one. Uh, you know, the, also the platforms want to allow creators to have, you know, monetization and actually to make sure that they are running a business. And to me, I think because I come from a business mentality first, less than a user, I'm like, well, if you, as you said, if you spot a need and you find that the people that you already have around you need the help that only you can provide, because as you say, you know that you can give them what they need and want in a way that it can actually positively change their life. Because as you say, you change their perception about themselves or how they move, which is massive. This is where I understand the conversation and the points of view, but to me, it doesn't stand ground because you're doing something amazing by actually providing people with a safe space to make really positive changes and still move and be fit and feel good about themselves and have a bloody laugh. So this is where I'm standing. Again, remember, dear listeners, I'm biased because I run a business. I run two businesses. My whole point is to help people with things they need that nobody else is doing. So that's why I'm like, I get where some people are coming from, but you're still there putting yourself out there every day. Now you found the best way to do it. And at the same time, also, you know, make a living and, uh, and being able to support your community and grow with them. So to me, that is great. But mm-hmm. again, I'm biased. <laughs> I guess it comes from that. I have actually a question about, uh, you said about the same sense of humor. And I feel that that is so important because the language, it's so you. And I know you a bit, obviously, I don't know you maybe at the same extent of bottomless branch friends, but I've been known you for a while and we've been bumping into each other for quite a few years. But I know your sense of humor and I can see really that that is you. And so I wanted to ask you actually, as the app is growing, as the business is growing, and you said some people from the community are also coming in to help out and become part of the brand, how easy slash hard is it to keep that same tone of voice? How, how are you finding it for yourself? Especially with a marketing background, I think is something that we learn a lot, how to actually you know, support other people and together work on that. But for some people, it's not that obvious. And I think it's really important to have the same tone of voice, but it's not only you all the time. So... How do you do that? How, how have you been navigating that? Yeah, you know, I actually did a, a business seminar last week and I was saying in there that when I write copy, in my and I've always thought, this is what I've always thought in my head for years, I write it literally as if I was writing it into my girls' WhatsApp group. My tone of voice, it's just how I, ta- it's how I talk on the internet with my friends and that's always been how I would write my captions. I would almost think about like... If I was overthinking, I'd be like, well, how am I, how would I just write this if I was going to message one of my best friends, Kelsey, and send it off to her? So that's one thing that I've always, one approach I've always done. I think in terms of like writing copy, I think once your business grows to a certain size, there is a pressure that like, oh, now you're a business and now, you know, you're making profit and now you're doing this. You suddenly have to like fall into the role of what a business owner does or someone who earns X amount of money does and the lifestyle they lead. And, I felt tempted at times to be like, oh, wait, no, Nobs, you know, we're professional now. We've got a team and whatever. And we need to like not do certain or say certain things. For example, using the word, I don't think you want to swear on your podcast, but saying fuck. You know, I say fuck. I don't say it all the time. It's part, it's, it's a word in my vocabulary and it always has been in my captions and my posts on my personal page. And I was thinking like, do I want to say that on Nobs? I'm like, why would I not? Because Nobs is me. I am an extension. It's an extension of who I am. So why should I not just because it's like, oh, we're a business now. No, who made the rules? You know, these are like old rules and we don't necessarily have to stick to them. So I would say I've never really struggled with that as much. Um, We have a social girl now who writes the copy for Nobs app, but she's done a really great job of emulating the Nobs tone and maintaining that. So yeah, I I don't think I've struggled. I think like in terms of personally, so like I said, we hire people from within the company and have always have done. Um, like the my PAs are from there, our social girls from there, our moderators and whatnot. And even then, like I've felt that internal thing of like, oh, do I need to like not use that emoji when I message her and not use that extra exclamation mark or you know be sign off every email and it's like that's just not me it's not me and 
I don't want to have to like if I'm if I have the luxury and the privilege of building a business, being an entrepreneur, then I'm going to create the culture and the style of communication and lead from the top and how I want to talk to people that I speak to every day. So I think no, and also I think as a woman in business, you sometimes feel the pressure to act like a man in business. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, oh, I want to be successful. So if you think about how a successful professional person talks, typically it would be like kind of really short emails. Like I've seen emails like guys, business emails guys send, they are like so short and so to the point. And it's, I, I love it. Like I love that that's some people's communication style, but it's just, again, it's just not me. I'm going to put LMAO in my work emails and that's just how it is. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who overuses exclamation marks, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's kind of how I am, and I think that's that's actually something that I love that you brought up because, as you say, not just an extension of, of you, and the tone of voice is also an extension of how you speak. And I think it's really, I think it comes from the maturity of maybe like showing up online for a very long time and actually feeling, you know do I actually feel myself when I show up? Would would people actually recognize me as you say, when I'm out with my friends, would they actually, you know, kind of see the same person? And there's a way of actually deciding how much you want to show that, how much you want to take on and keep yours in private. But I think the essence of who you are, being able to showcase this in different ways is really powerful. Like I have 21 tattoos and I love my band t-shirts. And eventually I decided to actually wear my band t-shirts for work and for workshops that I run about marketing certifications and things like that. And I was like, why not? This is who I am. And if you, as you say, if you can be comfortable in that, you will find that then you will attract the right people. And I love that you reiterated that. Because I think when we're growing and scaling as you have, I love that you go, that you went to the community or the community came to you and you found the right people there. Because I think, yeah. too, I want to hear your opinion. Like the work culture that comes from a smaller business that's trying to grow is almost as important as the customers themselves. And I don't know if you agree with that, but I think it's something mm. we can talk about right now. I, I completely agree. And you know, like, do you ever get those emails from like certain fashion brands and they're like, hey babe, la la la. And you're like, who is this? Because it's not, you know, you don't know the founder. You don't know where it's, you know, typically it's these huge things. And they're like, hey babe. And I, that's so jarring to me. I'm like, you don't know me like that. Don't call me babe. But it's when it's authentic. And if you know where the voice is coming from or you are the voice, it's so different. So I guess if anyone's like a creator that has their own business or whatever, anyone that's writing, I would always just stay true to your tone of voice. Even if you're serious even if you don't, you know, you're not kind of like a silly, you're more of a serious person, be serious, just completely lean into your own voice. Because anything else, you're just going to feel it's going to be exhausting. And you're just not going to feel authentic. And that will hold you back from so many things. So yeah, you should always, I don't think you should have to lose your voice in business. That's actually an excellent point. I was genuinely thinking when you said exhausting, I was like, yes, I think that's mm. one of the biggest things, isn't it? Because yeah, is like, I don't know if you ever had that. Obviously, we help people in different ways. We help them with the business side of it and maybe in marketing a lot as well. So some people are like, do I have to be funny online? And I'm like, are you funny? Or, you know, are, are you feeling comfortable being a bit silly? No, then don't. And they're like, ah. And you can see literally the person just, oof, sigh of relief. And similar to people that do have to be professional. I'm like, what does professional even mean? I think, mm -hmm. and I want to hear again, I would love to like reflect that back on you on this but I think it's important to be professional as long as you know exactly what professional means is it sticking to yeah. deadlines is in doing what you say you do is it having mm. things in writing yes please do people you know this is professional but if you want to be if you want to send love at the end of an email you can do that I always do that yeah because, you know I think that's 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 what matters professionalism I think as you say is not about your tone of voice it's about how you show up and how you uphold with the expectations of people isn't it yeah completely agree with that 100 percent. i want to talk about one more element of uh, the the knobs brand a bit as you see we're doing a bit of a massive kind of overview and is the branding itself because i love i love it i love when branding literally takes what you would expect to see and you kind of slightly flip it on its head and you're like this is what you see everywhere 
I'm going to give you something different. And I've seen the evolution. I see that it's straight to its core, but I see the little things. There was Arnie the other week in one of the carousels. I was like, I love that. Go <laughs> 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 and find that post if you can. You might have to scroll, but it's brilliant. And, and I love that because I think it's, it's kind of flipping things on its head and maybe it became natural, maybe it just came from kind of your personal like taste, but I would love you to talk us a bit more about it. I feel it's still you. I don't feel it's like you outsource it to somebody else, but maybe I'm wrong. Mm, no. So when it came to things like, so for example, if you talk about the app interface, being very candid and also I don't think my developer company would mind me saying this, but the first version of the Nobs app, I was like, I, cried when I saw it because I didn't like it and I it was so hard because I'm also quite like my background's in marketing but I'm also a very visual person and I'm I wouldn't say I'm like a graph I'm not a graphic designer level but I do have some skill set in that area and it's so hard to convey what I have in my mind to someone else to then do that and I especially with like app coding I can't get in there and do it unless I learn how to do all that stuff so that was really hard. So what happened at that point was I hired, I found this amazing designer in Paris. She's called Jalissa. She's phenomenal. And she is almost like she's in my brain. And I still work with her to this day every month because I love her and I find things for her to do because she, she will do the things like the carousels and she built the new knobs color scheme, the brand identity and whatever. And when it came to things like when you're in the app, one thing that we saw was like, fitness especially fit influencer fitness apps I didn't want it to be about me I didn't want any photo so apart from the video tutorials you won't find a photo of me on there because I don't want it to be like Lucy Mountain fitness app it's Nob's fitness app and it's about the user rather than me so that's why you don't have marketing materials with images of my face all over it it's very much like faceless to a degree um, and I want to keep it that way. And when it came to color schemes, fitness was like red and black and it was aggressive and it's dark and it's like moody and serious. So I was like, everything, everything needs to be on a white background, like my Instagram. So I also used my styling from my Instagram page and bought it into the app to make the app feel like home. And I also, one thing I do a lot is I pick elements and design features from Instagram because I'm like if my audience are following me on Instagram they know my page I'm familiar I will take elements of Instagram for example if you before you do your workout you can see your workout listed but there's also a function which is like a workout preview and it looks like an Instagram story that you need to tap so you tap it and then you can just like swipe through almost like a full screen story swipe through and see all the different exercises that you're going to do and it's just those small little things. And for example, when you do your daily affirmations on the homepage, you know, the little tab, the tabs when you have a story and the little bars, we have those as you swipe through. And it, it's just those little things where I want people to feel really at home in the app. And I want it to be light and I want it to be colorful and I want it to be simple, like line waiting. You all know this, but like the slightest increase of line waiting on an icon. And I'm like, no, it's too thick. It needs to be thin and light and airy. And I think maybe sometimes people forget the amount of like thought that goes into why things are the way they are. And I actually hosted a focus group a couple of weeks ago with some users because I find those like beyond helpful. And I'm so grateful to anyone that ever joins one because it makes my job so much easier knowing what people want. But they were saying the thing they love about Knobs app is there's no social interaction and there's no you can't see because in my head I was thinking do they want like a space to like see other people's activity to like and share and congratulate but they don't because they want knobs as their safe space there's no competition because even if it was positive reinforcement of just little likes and comments there would still be that added pressure so we designed the app to make sure when people are in it it feels like it's just them. There's no one else. There's not me hanging in there showing off what I'm doing and what I've done. And it's my app. It, as soon as you come in, you feel like it's you and you've got your, your name in like colorful letters as you go in and your guide. And it all feels very personal. And that's one thing we're going to continue to build on to make it feel like a safe private space for them and their training. But yeah, like I, and I know you feel the same, but like d design is so key and so important and I get so excited by it because I think people look down on design and they're like oh style over substance that's so bad blah 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 but I think people completely underestimate 
the font choice, like everything is so important in terms of vibe and user experience. So I'm really, um, one of our goals for the app alongside being, you know, the leading anti-diet fitness app and, and all that kind of stuff is being one of the most beautiful, seamless fitness apps or just like one of apps in general, like a real leading, seamless, easy to use, intuitive fitness app. So yeah, I, I mean, I love design. I could, if I wasn't doing what I would do today, I would definitely be in branding, like for sure, graphic design branding. It is one of my favorite things as well. I'm going to show my age, but I remember I would go in, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh God, I don't remember the name now. It got me. But it was one of those places where you can kind of showcase your photography and things like that, you know, way back in the day when social wasn't a thing. So it would be just showcasing what you do. And I remember I would spend hours in Photoshop doing collages and just putting them up and be like, this is the best thing I could do ever. And <gasps> Was it DeviantArt? Yes, it was DeviantArt. Oh my God. I literally thought about that the other day. <laughs> I loved it I so it. much. Yeah. I mean, if you, know, if you don't know DeviantArt, you can kind of go and resurrect it and have a little look. It was it was my jam. I took pictures as well, but my favorite thing was literally these random collages of Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever <gasps> it was in my head. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm 30 now. So I was definitely within the age group of DeviantArt. That was definitely like... I knew that vibe. I was familiar with it. I was doing, I was in Pixo. I was building Pixo websites at that point. I wasn't, I wasn't indulging too much in DeviantArt, but I did go on it to look at other people's artwork. So see, yeah, I mean, I'm 30, again, for everyone, I'm 31. So we're literally there. That, that was the spot. If you were creative, you would probably try and do a live journal slash, as you say, uh, Pixo slash any type of website that didn't require you to yeah. go crazy. And you would also love to do random little things and, this is why I understand, and actually just to piggyback on what you said, you don't have to be different for the sake of being different. I want to say this because if you do it, but it's not because there's a reason that is either in tune to you or to your audience, then again, you're not doing it for the right reason. But I think there is something to be said about if you see what everybody else is doing and you're like, it's not just the design that is different, it's actually what we do is different then I think it makes it so much clearer. It's like, of course, it looks different, but it's also because we're trying to do something that is not what you are used to. And with Alt Marketing School, which is my either the baby brand, is a certification, but it's different than a marketing certification. So we use uh, collages, you know, those kind of pictures, even for the listeners from the 50s, those really old kind of vintage pictures and collages and stuff. And this is, and we just oppose them to really bold colors. So there's no kind of fancy tech or kind of like, you know, cool um, illustrations. They're very modern. It's all a bit old school. And it's not mm. what you would expect from like a tech certification in marketing. We did it because everything that we do is different. And I think, and that's why I resonate a lot with the look and feel of knobs. Because it's like, mm. what you're trying to do is different. And the design mm. reflects that, that you know. And it's almost that wink and nudge to the community, which I think is yeah. cool as well, isn't it? Mm. I think as well, like, I think there's an expectation. Again, one one exercise we did is we literally looked at all the leading fitness apps and we took screenshots of, like, their first screen and their, like, app store imagery and the colors they used. And, again, it's, like, people think you either want black and red and aggressive or that you want pink because you're a woman who wants to do fitness and it has to be pink and whatever. And, like, you know, there's there's a market for all of those things, but it can't be the only thing and you know with with knobs as well as I before we did the rebrand with the proper brand when I was just doing everything pink and red was like our color scheme and it's still there it's on our color thing like scheme to it still but I kind of got to the point where I was like if it doesn't feel right if I'm like this is for everyone and you know like we have more non-binary people than we do men so like, why, if I'm to say, like, oh, you know, I'm going to do a fitness app and, you know, it's mostly for non-binary people and women and it's this. And then it's, like, pink and everything's pink and it's different tones of pink. For me, it felt too, I don't know, it, it just felt a little bit too cliche and stereotypical. So that's why blue, like, we use blue mostly of, like, a primary school colors, like, blue, red and yellow. Um, so that's part of our brand identity as well. It's like the school theme, old school, primary school, primary colors, bold, because then it ties into like education, but also we, we play on that theme a lot with our content. And um, 
we do we've launched a new tab on the app called like the classroom so we're going to build that out but it's basically like video tutorials but it'll turn into video like lessons on different things beyond just form it'll be like you know for example cellulite and body image and get other people involved so yeah it's nice it's, it's good to have that kind of loose theme which we play on and I guess it also helps you, as you say, like these are all the different things that help you then kind of refining the brand identity and then creating some mm-hmm. elements or features that are unique. As you say, it's not necessarily unheard of for having tutorials in an app when you're doing fitness, but because you're turning into the classroom, there's the element of education and because of that and because of what you do and obviously what the, the app and the brand stands for, then you can cover more than, as you say, form of what people would expect. And I think, as you say, it all helps and... One thing I want to say, because you mentioned focus groups, which I love, we do quarterly um, check-ins with our members in the collective, exactly for the same reason, because they're so invaluable. And I know that a lot of people are like, I have, let's say, they have a program or an app or a membership, something that is recurring. And they're like, oh, but I don't get a lot of people or it's a lot of time. And I'm like, but it's literally to me, I don't know if it's the same is the most invaluable way to actually get the feedback from the people and hear exactly what they want by also asking them clever questions. So there's also that to be said. But yeah. And I know that a lot of people don't do it because it, it takes time and it is a bit of an asshole. But to me, it's so worth it because they will say things within what they're answering that maybe they wouldn't think of if they were to do it just in a little survey or if it was just an email they sent. I find them really invaluable. You know, I feel that it's the same for you as well because you mentioned it a few times, but I think a lot of people underestimate them. I think they do, or they're kind of lying to themselves because they think they don't want, you know, like when you're, you know, this as a business owner, your, your brain is so wired constantly and you have so many thoughts and you're just trying to process your own thoughts. You can't even, you can't even think about getting, you know, I feel the same when I do my feedback surveys. When I, I have to like really like schedule out a day to go through that stuff because mentally I, I need to take it in, I need to process it. And I think sometimes people avoid them because they're like, I don't have time. But really it's because they don't, they feel like they don't have mental space to take on more information because they feel so, you know, overwhelmed. But honestly, after you finish though, the clarity, the clarity you have, I mean, they can only be small and obviously they're small sample sizes. You can't take it as a given for every customer you have, but it's just, I don't know. I, I will always do them because again, if I'm saying it's a community grown business, I can't suddenly stop listening to my community. Now I have a product that's existing in the way I need to keep it as a community grown product. So that's why the, the focus groups are so great. I love them. This is nice to talk to your like users as well. I know, right? I think there's, there's an element of like, oh yeah, but then, you know, maybe they say nice things and it's a bit self-indulgent. And I'm like, but you know, <laughs> you kind of need that. You know, so yeah, you can... let them say it. Like I, when I use a product or I'm, you know, super into something, oh my God, I would love to meet the founder and tell them how much I love what they do. Like that's so special for me to be able to do that. So I think you have to also, and again, this is a, this is often a, a, a woman's issue. We are so bad at accepting praise. We are so bad at shouting about our achievements. We're so terrible at it. And yeah, I think the thought of being like oh my god a focus group and my users are gonna like I'm the the center of attention and they're gonna say this stuff it's nice things to me but like you forget that people want to do that because it makes them feel good too so yeah I think hopefully I've, I feel like attitudes are changing slightly on the way women f- talk about their business I'm still learning you know again on my business call that I did last week for the first time ever I talked about financials and I've never ever ever wanted to talk about that because I've been like I can't talk about it because I make it seem like I'm boasting or I'm this and I'm that but sometimes I feel like it's almost like it's acceptable for a man to talk about that stuff it's not acceptable for a woman still um, but we need to see more women talking about this stuff and being transparent in order for it to feel okay for other women so yeah I agree and I think you touched on such an important point of then as you said then allows us to talk about it and also talk about it in the way that we want. Let me let me explain. Going back to what we said at the beginning, mm. you said about you know writing an email like a man because that's feel like what you should do. It's the same thing, you know, talking about things, being comfortable about it, and also finding our own way to do it. It's just like finding a way to run a business. And I think 
we're all different as individuals, but especially when it comes to energies, you know, male and female especially, there are two very strong energies. And I find that when, you know, this is very, very base, but we do talk a lot about these days also in life, uh, female health and things like mm-hmm. periods and, and cycles. And, you know, these days, you know, your hormones, you might feel stressed, you might feel tired. And it's just understanding that you can and you're allowed to be a leader and also take a break. Everyone, mm. everyone male, female, non-binary, everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think especially as women, sometimes we feel like we can't, we have to constantly be go, 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 go. And without the implementation and the reflection, you will miss something or you will, you will get exhausted. Oh, you got left behind. You know, I, last year I was actually dealing with depression and I was like, oh, I was literally for like four, maybe four months of last year, I was like debilitatingly depressed and I would launch the app at that point. And I was trying to run the business and thankfully with therapy and meds, I mean, last year was hard for most people, I think. But I got to the point where it's like, the world is not going to stop if I stop posting as much on Instagram. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world. And also, I think if you're like, it's difficult because sometimes you don't want to be honest with what's going on in your life and you don't have the, the capacity to do that. And you don't have to. I didn't do that. Um, but I think your audience and your your customers, like they understand you're a real person. And actually, if you do have the capacity to share that, I think that's only going to make you feel like people are only going to respect you for taking time out. I definitely said to, you know, I, I took breaks and I, I didn't say, guys, I'm going off Instagram. I'm not going to be posting. Sorry. I just went. But I think people, people still respect that you're a real person and you have things that you need to do personally and time you need to take personally. And, you know, if you don't stop, you, you're going to burn out. Like I tried to keep going when I felt so terrible. I tried to keep going and post and working and I was like missing meetings and I was like this is not me like this is not who I am and I had to like say to my this is my talent agent but I had to say to them please stop giving me Instagram jobs because I can't I'm not posting enough to warrant the amount of ads and campaigns and when I'm making the creative I feel terrible because my heart's not in it and I wasn't feeling good so I had to stop doing that for a little bit just to sort myself out. But, you know, the world doesn't end. And I think especially when you're running your own business, you have to schedule in those little breaks. And also, like, try it. It's better to do it little and often rather than burning yourself out and then getting to the point where you're like, I can't do it anymore. It is really important. I do love the the, the mention about actually the short breaks if you want to, like, you know, little mm. and often. And I think... When I did the research for for my book, which is Reclaim Your Time Off, just to put context, as you can tell from the name, and I was really trying to figure out what what were some of the biggest issues when it came to work-life balance and just like the perception of work and success. And it's kind of interesting just from some of the stuff that then kind of fed the book. Entrepreneurs would struggle with the idea of, for example, taking holidays outside of, you know, the number of holiday times they would do. Or not working on a specific day of the week. And when you ask why would that be, it would be like, well, because because that's that's not what you're supposed to do. And they'd be like, but, but it's your own business. If you can afford not to work on a Friday ever and you work four days a week, do that. And I think because a lot of us, especially us in our older generations, we're a bit stuck in some of the old ways and society and the way that we used to work or we are taught that success slash work is. This is how much holiday I have. This is when I start working. If you can find your own way, as you said, knowing your mental well-being, how to protect that and how to safeguard that, then if you want to have a break, like a, a half term for yourself every, yeah. I don't know how long it is, but, you know, any any 12 weeks or whatever, and you can do it, then do it. And I think it's just, yeah. as you say, us being honest with ourselves and first of all, allowing ourselves, because as you say, once you know it, people will respect that. Mm-hmm. I think more often than what we believe. And that's one of the problems a lot of the time. A hundred percent. And like, I love, I love all of that. And that well, whilst you were saying that, I was thinking, who decided that eight hours was the perfect optimum time, five days a week to get the most, if the goal is to get the work done and to, you know, make a certain amount of money for your business and to, I don't know, maybe that's your key business goal to obviously earn a living and live the life you want to live, right? If you need that, like to stay above water, to pay your rent, to pay your bills, whatever that figure is, Surely you can design your working week around 
what gives you that and it might not look like eight hours a day five days a week it might look like four days a week or it might look like it could even look like five it could even look like six sorry and you do a half day because that's just how you like to work and I think we do definitely get stuck I've I had a lot of guilt when I first went freelance from working full-time and doing knobs in the evening when I went full-time with knobs I felt so guilty when I wasn't doing like nine hours of work a day and it really took me some time to unlearn that guilt. I have a much better life balance now. My friends are like, a couple of years ago, they were like, it's so nice to have you back because you've been gone. And I was living with my friend, my one of my best friends, Kelsey. We were talking about when we lived together in our old Dalston flat a while, like a few years ago, when I was in the middle, I was writing a cookbook and I was working full time and I was doing knobs and I was doing Instagram, whatever. And I was like, I said to her, I was like, we didn't really go out that much when we were in Dalton. She's like, you didn't go out. I went out. You just didn't come with me. You stayed in working. And I was like, oh my God. And this is when I was like 25, you know, it's like five years ago. Should have been out down the pub with my friends, but I was kind of, I felt like I had to do this like crazy work schedule just to kind of earn my right as someone who's running a business. And for what, you know? <laughs> It's just funny. It's very funny. But I'm making it for lost time now, which is nice. So I'm reinvesting in friendships. The pandemic has made me realize how important that personal connection with friends, relationships, they are so vital. So that's actually a really big focus for me this year. It's my business, but it's also reconnecting with people and spending time and investing time into friendships as well. I could talk for hours, but I appreciate yeah, that yeah. other people might not. They'll be like, <laughs> I can't, I'm not at work, or maybe like, I've now just done six laps. I think yeah. I need to do so. Do this is fine. We'll get Lucy again another time. Don't you worry yeah. about the time. Uh, mm. Thank you so much again for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. I've loved it. I have one more question. I have one more mm. question for you to finish off. Final question we ask everyone Lucy, if you could go to, well, bottomless brunch at this point, with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be? Oh, I'm supposed to be dead or alive. Oh, who would it be? <laughs> I can't say what I just thought. I was, oh, no, I can't say that because that's so rubbish. <laughs> who would it be? Oh, I'm obsessed with Jane Fonda. Like, I'm in a real Jane Fonda like obsession moment i just i've been watching loads of her old interviews from like the 80s recently and like what an icon i just love her and like now i don't know how old she is now she's like a huge like climate change activist she was like a boss for fitness in the 80s and 90s i'm loving her so i definitely love to go have a bottomless brunch with jane fonda get some of that wisdom some of that positive self-talk from her and get drunk with her. I would like that. Absolutely love that. Lucy, if people want to find out more about you and they want to check out Stan and they want to check out the Knobs app, where should they go? So you can find me at Lucy Mountain. That's my main sort of personal page. And then I have Knobs app as well. So that's just on Instagram. And then... Yeah, knobsapp.co.uk is where you'll find all the um, app-related bits and pieces. So, yeah, stand features across most of them. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.